All right, let's get to the word. We are in the middle of a series. Well, this is our second Sunday. I guess we're not in the middle of it. And it's not a series. It's a theme. And the reason we're calling it, we started calling these teaching themes, but we're not even calling this a teaching theme. This is just a summer theme for the entire, the entire summer. We're going to be talking about the summer of the spirit. So if you want to know what we're doing, here's what we're doing. We are dedicating this summer to three things. Introducing experiencing, and encountering the Holy Spirit. Everybody say introducing, experiencing, and encountering the Holy Spirit. I cannot tell you the text and comments that I've gotten from pastors around the country. I got one this morning from a well-known pastor, one of the most creative guys that I know, sent me a text and said, uh, I saw what y'all are doing, love it, love it. And we're talking about guys that, that are not, don't have a Pentecostal charismatic background like me. They don't know, they don't do a lot of spirit-filled stuff, spirit-led. They're like, man, this is amazing. This is what God is wanting to speak to the body of Christ. And so for some of you, this is going to be your first real introduction to the Holy Spirit. Be your first real introduction. You've been taught to be scared of Him and to run away from Him and don't mess with it, all right? Some of you have been very, very used to it, but this is going to be, be a reintroduction. And I have a feeling when we see him this time, he may look a little different than he did last time because our vision is going to change because you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. So whatever your view of the Holy Spirit is, and I'm going to say this a lot of Sundays because I want us to get this. Whatever our view of the Holy Spirit is, we want to be reintroduced to him. We want to find out more about him. I want our kids to fall in love with the Holy Spirit. I want them to want him to be in their life and doing a work in their life. Um, and I, I, I'm also, I'm also going to say some things like this, that when you talk about him, he shows up because he likes being talked about. So the Holy Spirit shows up, and I'm going to tell you this, we're going to do things the way the New Testament church did things. We're going to let the Holy Spirit move, but we're going to do things decently and in order. I'm going to ask those of you that know how to Follow in the Spirit to do me a big favor. Steward the Spirit in your life. Steward the Spirit in your life. And we'll be talking more about that. What does it mean to steward the Spirit in your life? It means you know how to let the Spirit flow, but not to let yourself take over, all right? So learn how to do that. Everybody say, Pastor's preaching right now. So all of our guests, we're glad you're here. But this is, this is a marathon. We're, we're, this is not a quick 100-yard dash. This is a marathon. We're taking an entire summer, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Because I'm believing in the fall, when things begin to really happen, we're going to be ready for it. I'm ready for it now. All right, kids, y'all get ready to draw. Whatever you see, whatever you feel. A big, there's a word that, that I say that just pops out. Write it down really big and draw something that you see. And if you're going to draw me, make sure it's really skinny, okay? And, all right. Last week, our kids were in here as well, and we, we introduced the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Holy Spirit. Can any of the kids tell me what we said the Holy Spirit was last week? Four things. Any of the Hills kids tell me? Holy Spirit is a? All right, how about any of the adults? Comforter. Holy Spirit is a comforter. Holy Spirit gives us power. Holy Spirit is a teacher. And Holy Spirit is a gift. These four 
things. Let's continue our introduction today, all right? And I don't know a better person to introduce the Holy Spirit than Jesus. So here we go. John chapter 7, John chapter, John chapter 16 and 7. Man, it's going to be a tough Sunday when I can't even say 16. John 16 and verse 7. Jesus in the English Standard Version. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is your advantage that I go away. Now listen to that. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is saying to them, Hey, it's good for you if I go. Can you imagine that? This is the guy you've watched raise the dead and heal the sick and amazing teachings, and he's telling you, hey, guys, it's expedient for you. This is going to be better for you if I go. For if I do not go away, the helper or the comforter or the advocate or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It's like a tag. Tag, you're in. Go, all right? You're up, Kip. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Last week, we said the Holy Spirit is a comforter, gives us power, is a teacher, and is a gift. Today, I thought I'd get a really fitting fitting word for all the Hills kids in here today. The Holy Spirit convicts. Well, isn't that good for kids to hear? <laughs> I thought you would laugh more at that, but you didn't. I don't know if you're supposed to make jokes about the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Look at your neighbor and say, Holy Spirit convicts. So, first of all, what that means, if you're taking notes, write this down, big, big letters. Conviction is not my job. Conviction is not the church's job. It's not your job. Not your job to have big signs and tell everybody how you feel. That's not your job, to convict people. It's not your job. I want to get that really straight. Also, the Holy Spirit does not convict the church. The Holy Spirit convicts the world. Keep that up there. I want you to bring that, leave that scripture up there for just a moment because we're going to stay in that. Uh, go back to the preceding one. There we go. It was the Holy Spirit's job to convict the world. And when you look up that word world, it means the order of the earth or the way the world is run, the world's mindset of thinking. It also talks about that Satan is the God of this world. So when Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is going to convict, he's saying, I'm going to convict the world that has a mindset other than the kingdom of God. Are you all with me? Um, that's, what I'm, that's what the Holy Spirit's job is to do. Now, we have thought that that was the church's job. And so preachers preach against things and scream at things, and we hold picket signs, and we get upset about it, and then all of us have our own, quote, convictions, Right? I may have been around somebody that have their own conviction. They, they, they read the Bible a certain way, and because of that, they think that's the only way. And if you don't believe that way, then there's something wrong with you. Have you ever been around people like that? Are you around someone like that right now? Don't poke at them, all right? You know what Paul said? Paul said this. Paul said, if you think it's wrong, listen, Paul said, if you, he's talking about eating meat and and certain types of meat. He goes, look, if you think it's wrong, it is wrong to you. 
Don't put that on me. And then he goes on to say, if you think something is right, it is right. Go for it. To you. Don't put that on me. Does that make sense? We thought it's our job. I got to convict people. I got to, oh man, I got to do it. And we try to do it all kind of different ways, different types of singing and preaching. And it's not our job to convict. It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict. I don't know about you, but that takes a load off of me. John Mayer sang a song about believing, and no one ever changed their mind by something painted on a sign. You picketing somebody ain't going to change anybody's mind. It is a conviction in me. And so the Holy Spirit's job is to convict. Now, that word convict literally means in the original translation to prove, to prove. So how many of you, when I use the word conviction, you automatically thought feeling? How many felt it? Come on, you're like, oh, Come on, raise your hand. You know, oh, I feel convicted. How many have said that? I feel convicted. I feel conviction in the house, you know? It becomes this feeling, and that word conviction is not a feeling. You know the feeling I'm talking about when you feel like you've done something wrong. It's that that is not conviction. Conviction is not a feeling. Conviction is a declaration based on proof that says you did the crime, we're going to convict you of it now. Sentencing comes later. That's called condemnation, all right? Which is another whole sermon in itself, which we may get to that. Conviction is we have laid it out, the jury has come together, and they decided you are guilty or you are not guilty. It is a conviction. It's not a feeling. It's based on fact. The Holy Spirit's job is to show up in our life and show us the facts, thus convicting us. Now, here's what the Holy Spirit convicts of. You ready? Here we go. Write this down. The Holy Spirit, all the kids, y'all doing good? No? Okay, they already dozed off. All right, good. Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Convicts of sin. Everybody say sin. Now watch what it says. Remember this? He said, the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Verse 9, bring that up there real quick. Verse 9, here it is. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. So write down big letters. Sin equals not believing in Jesus. Now, when I, I have preached this before, I have taught this before. I've thought this before that when I said the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of sin that the Holy Spirit was going to talk to me about the things that I did and and say you don't need to be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be saying that. You shouldn't be watching that. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. We're going to get to that in just a moment. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of not believing in Jesus Christ. Not to convict you of eating too much, drinking too much, watching that, not watching that. You don't need the Holy Spirit for that. That's why God gave you a conscience. You knew not to do that stuff before you ever got the Holy Spirit. Amen? I mean, God put a conscience in you that is a part of his spirit that says, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. That's why you look over your shoulder before you do it. Don't blame that on the Holy Spirit. That's you, right? there in you saying you should not do that. 
I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. No, you didn't listen to yourself. Don't blame it on Jesus. That was you telling you not to do that. You know right from wrong. That's what your conscience is. is. So the Holy Spirit's job is not to convict us of individual sins. It's to convict us of our lack of faith in Jesus Christ. Man, this is good preaching right here. I'm not even a real good preacher. Pretty good today, but not most of the time, not really. But this is, I'm feeling it today. Because this is life-giving for me. I want, I want some of you holy rollers that grew up in it, man. You just came out of your mama's belly prophesying. I want some of us to get to the end of this and go, my God, I never knew the Holy Spirit. Well, that's what it was all about. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict us and to convict the world for not trusting in Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, the Bible says, anything that is of unbelief is sin. So every sin goes back to unbelief. The reason people abuse drugs and alcohol is because they do not believe that Jesus can make them feel better. So it's a lack of faith. The reason that we lie is because we don't trust Jesus and we feel like we've got to manipulate other people. And so it all goes back to, I just do not believe. The reason we worry and the reason that we, that we lust and the reason that we steal and the reason that we kill all goes back to not believing that Jesus is good enough. And that's how it all began. Satan says, the serpent says, Eve, did he really say? Come on, what he knows is if you eat of this apple, you're going to be better than you are. Thus, Eve sinned because she did not believe in the word of God. Does that make sense to anybody? So the Holy Spirit shows up and begins to convict us of not having faith. Not to convict us of individual sins. Not to say lying and stealing and adultery and murder. So in other words, self-doubt and self-condemnation. Anybody been dealing with that? I know you have because of how the Holy Spirit stopped the whole service to talk to you today. Self-doubt, self-condemnation, unworthiness are not the works of the Holy Spirit. If you're doubting yourself or your destiny... If you're condemning yourself, if you feel unworthy, do not blame that on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts. He doesn't condemn. Those feelings of condemnation are not the Holy Spirit. That is your conscience that has gone haywire. Now, let me talk to you just a minute about your conscience. The conscience is a good thing. It's there to help us know what to do and not to do, right? It, it cannot be ignored. How many ever tried to ignore your conscience? Turn it off. I know you said he's not good for me, but uh, right? I know I shouldn't be doing that, but uh, turn it off. You can't turn it off. It's there. It's there until the Bible says you can get to a place that your conscience is seared and you don't feel anymore. Boy, I tell you, when you ought to get scared is when you don't feel it. When your conscience isn't going, hey, don't do that. That's when you better run and get in the altar, just lay down somewhere and say, help me, Jesus. But don't call that conviction. That's your conscience. Your conscience is there to help steer you and guide you, and it can be trained to be a benefit, but that's not the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. 1 John 3 and 19 says this. By this... 
we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. How many like to reassure your heart before the Lord? For whenever our heart condemns us, that word heart means your conscience, condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. The best way to deal with your conscience is just to have a good heart. He said, we shall know we are the truth and we reassure our heart before him. So what the writer is saying, the best way to deal with your conscience is don't give it a right to nag at you. So let's just stop. Common sense. Here we go. Let's stop. Those of you that can't sleep at night because you're worried about that and that thing bothers you, you shouldn't have done that, you shouldn't have said that. And it can be anything from abusing a substance to talking negatively to your spouse or whatever it is. It's that thing. How many know what I'm talking about? That thing. And you're saying, well, it's the Holy Spirit. No, it's your conscience telling you shouldn't have done that, you shouldn't have done that, you shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have done that. How do I turn that off? Stop doing that. I just don't know how I'm going to quit getting speeding tickets. And then five this month. Stop speeding. You don't need the governor to come down and tell you stop speeding, right? That's the same thing with don't want the Holy Spirit to come tell me. You don't need the Holy Spirit to do it. You're telling yourself don't do it. However, here's what can happen. If you listen to that so much and you don't stop doing it, suddenly that conscience that is there to help you, to guard you, to guide you, starts condemning you. That's when you begin to doubt and feel beat down. And what most of us have done is said, that's the Holy Spirit doing that to us. And it wasn't. Holy Spirit never does that. He's a comforter. He's a guide. It feels good when he shows up. He brings wind and fire and light and gifts. Man, that's what I'm talking about, right? Not convicting. Oh, I'm here. Hey, Holy Spirit's here. Oh, it's time to party when the Holy Spirit shows up, man. All the kids doing good? (laughs) That Gwen that said, yeah. I got me a pacemaker. I'm ready to roll. So what's the best way to deal with a conscience? I just said it. Just stop it. But when I do mess up, here's what verse 20 says. For whenever our heart condemns us, when I do mess up, and then my heart, my conscience goes into overdrive and starts condemning me, you have to remind your heart that God is greater than your heart. And he knows everything. And look at me. I'm talking to those of you that have messed up years ago and you cannot get over it. Those of you that messed up last week and you cannot get over it. At some point, you're going to have to stand up to your heart. Because look at me. There's this whole thing. Just follow your heart. No, the Bible says the heart is deceitful and it's wicked. It will mess you up. Don't follow your heart. All right? You can listen to it, but don't follow it. You have to be spirit-led, not heart-led, not emotion-led. And so when, the, when that, that conscience, that heart is telling you, you're bad, you're never going to get enough, it's like your heart begins to attack itself. It's a heart attack. It's, it's going to kill you instead of keeping you alive. It's coming at you. That's when you have to stand up to it and you say, wait just a minute. God is greater than you are. And God says that I am free and free indeed. 
in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. That'd be like you having a, uh, that'd be like you having a, owing some money to the bank. You got a loan on your car. And something happens, they have a contest. And they do this every once in a while. They have a contest and the bank says, you know, we're going to, we're just going to, somebody is going to get their loan paid off. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wow, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Yeah, you want me to get your, and so that you get the call. Brandon, your loan has been paid off. Woohoo! And you roll up in there the next week in your carefree car. And you walk up to the teller to get some money, and she looks at you and goes, hmm, can't believe you hadn't paid us back yet. And you come back the next week, and she gives you that look again, like, cannot believe you're not, even, you're not paying anything back. That is the difference in the Holy Spirit and your conscience. Because your conscience is always going to tell you you can't pay enough, you've never paid enough, you're never going to be good enough. And the Holy Spirit is, it's all paid for. It's taken care of. So who are you going to listen to? The bank manager or the gripey little teller? I know a bank manager, by the way, so if things go down. 1 John 3 and 21. That's all right, John Luca. He was excited. I like that. Y'all, come on. Are these kids doing great? Let's give the Hills kids a great big hand. Are y'all still drawing stuff, huh? You seeing stuff? All right. I'm going to go quick. 1 John 3, 22. Yeah, 1 John 3, 21. We've read 19 and 20. And then it goes on, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because he keeps his commandments and do what he, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence. Everybody say confidence. Something powerful about confidence, right? I have confidence. I can walk boldly into the throne room of grace and find help in my time of need. I've said this many times, and I'll say it many more times. Immaturity inhibits inheritance. We've talked about that before. Remember Galatians 4? That says that an heir, as long as he is a child, is no different than a slave. So immaturity inhibits inheritance. The prodigal son was immature, right? So he got his inheritance early and blew it all. So it inhibited what he really could be because he got it too fast. Immaturity inhibits inheritance, but insecurity inhibits inheritance. Because you can only receive what you think you deserve. That was what was wrong with the elder son. The prodigal son says, give me mine, give me mine. I'm immature. I'm going to go blow it all, right? Whereas the elder son stayed there the whole time. And finally, the son, the prodigal comes back. They're throwing a big party. And the elder son's out like this, huffing and puffing, upset. And the daddy goes, what are you doing? We're celebrating. He goes, well, you've never done that for me. And the daddy goes, son, everything I have is yours. But you're so insecure that you never received it. That's what condemnation does to you. It destroys your confidence. It says to you, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. But if you can ever get to a place 
that your heart does not condemn you, then you can stand up strong and have confidence before God, knowing that he's for you and not against you, that he loves you and doesn't hate you, that he wants to bless you and not curse you. Come on, somebody say hey. Even if you don't, amen, amen that. I have confidence. Amen, it's there. And then he says, and we know that whatever we ask, we receive from him. Why? Because we, oh, we keep his commandments and we do what pleases him. Do you notice the difference there? I don't keep his commandments so I'm not condemned. I keep his commandments because I know it pleases him. I don't want Evan to do something around the house because he's afraid I'm going to get on to him. I want him to do stuff around the house because he wants to do stuff around the house because he knows mom and dad like it. All right. Lack of confidence limits what we can receive. So if you're feeling unworthy, it is almost impossible to receive from God. Hebrews 10.35. Remember, I've always, I always say, you can only receive what you think you deserve. Hebrews 10.35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. Don't throw it away. Stand up strong. Know that you've been called. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of our unbelief in Jesus Christ. But even in his convicting, actually it's more as a guide. Remember we read that in John 16 that he's going to come and he's going to speak truth and he's going to guide us into everything. And he convicts us as a comforter too. I love that. A comforter. So the Holy Spirit convicts us first of all of sin. And what is that sin? Lying, drinking too much, pornography, killing somebody. No, what is that sin that he convicts us of? Unbelief. Second thing, and there's two more, but these are like, look, here's like all my notes. Like that was all on one. See, that was the one thing. And here's the other two, just right there, just those two. So don't worry, all right? Here we go. Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, which is unbelief. And the second thing the Holy Spirit convicts us of is righteousness. And then it says this. Go back to, uh, let's get back to our our text and jump to uh, verse 10. John 16 and verse 10. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. Look at me. So the Holy Spirit's job is to show up and convict the world of sin, which says you need to believe. And then it's supposed to convict us of righteousness. And then he ties in here, because I go to the Father. Now, what does that mean? Jump to John 14 and 12, where Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. The Holy Spirit's job is to show up in your life and say to you, you are made righteous because Jesus has paid your price and he has ascended to the right hand of the Father and everything's taken care of. Now, how many of you, that's a different Holy Spirit than you grew up with? Because when I would read about righteousness, oh, he's going to convict me of not being righteous. No, he's to convict us of, you are righteous, baby. You're righteous. That's what the Holy Spirit does. 
Not you're a sinner and you're unrighteous. No, sin's taken care of and you are righteous in his sight. And then the third thing the Holy Spirit does is convict us of the coming judgment. Everybody go, ooh. So think about that. Convict us of sin, righteousness, and the coming judgment. Now, when you just read that by itself, doesn't that sound ominous? Doesn't that sound like that religious aunt that you have? Right? Our uncle, whatever, just name it, whoever that person is. But watch this. When it says of judgment, verse number 11, watch what it says. 1 John 14, verse number 11. Concerning judgment... Read it loud with me. Because the ruler of this world is judged. He's not convicting me of being judged. He's reminding me that Satan has already been judged, defeated. Y'all, I'm just telling you. I'm going to just. My Lord. Come on. Obviously, I'm done with them now, so here we go. (laughs) Convicting us of not believing that he loves us. Convicting us and telling us that we're made righteous. And convicting us by saying, Satan is a liar. He's defeated. He's tied up. Who wouldn't want that? I can't tell you the times that my dad has answered. I've answered. My mom has answered. Uh, Kristen and those of you that are in ministry, the Marvins, you know you've answered this. Well, um, do I have to have the Holy Spirit? Why wouldn't you want it? And not just have it, more of it. Who wouldn't want that person in your life? I love you. You're good. You're great. Satan's a liar. He's under your feet. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, my God. Y'all come play something, so I'll be quiet. Come on, musicians. Come do something. See, Kristen and Shine and Ben, see what y'all did? Y'all got me all fired up. All of our guests, thank you for coming. We're sure to see y'all again, I'm sure. We went to that church, and that pastor threw the word of God on the Bible. You break your phone, and it's got the app on it, so whatever. Don't put your conviction on me, all right? Next week, we're going to dive into what I think is a great lead-in. This week, the Holy Spirit convicts. And how many of you, when I said that, you went, oh, no. Raise your hand. Like when I felt the Lord leading me to preach on this, I went, I don't want to preach on The kids are going to be in there. I don't want to preach on convicting. And then he just began to reveal more and more and more. And he convicts us to believe in Jesus. He convicts us that the price is paid. And he convicts us that Satan is a failure. Next week, we're going to preach on the Holy Spirit confirms. So he doesn't just stop at saying, Jesus loves you. But he says, next week, he says, he won't do it this week. Next week, he's going to be saying, next week, he's going to be saying, you're a child of God. 
Not just that you've been set free and cleansed. Not, not just that, but you're a child of God. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Come on, how many wants more of the Holy Spirit in their life?